All right, let's do this. I have hit the button. Okay. I, I always turn up the volume on this. I guess I don't think that's necessary. But <laughs> all right, so today, do people call you Mama Lisa? They do. Okay, I heard someone call you that once upon a time, and yes. I was like, oh, I love that. But I just have always called you Queen B. I'm like, dude, Queen B, Lisa, Lisa Reed. I asked someone else this on another one, but what is your maiden name? Not that it matters, but I just am curious. Your Howard. Wait, I did know that. Is it on your Facebook? It is. Lisa Howard Reed? Yes. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know that was your maiden name. It is. God, that is white girl status. I love that for you. Yeah. Okay, well, welcome. Thank Here you. Here we go. We're going to take it. We're going to take it back. But first, I have two questions. Yes. Are you from here? I am not. I was born and raised in New York. The mob New York? Where in New York? Mm, outside of the city. So it's about an hour. Um, outside of New York City in a small town, Port Jervis, tiny town, kind of like Durango. Dude, you have a you have an accent that actually makes sense, like a little one, not like a big one, but a little one. I have a little one until I'm angry, and then you know exactly <laughs> where I'm from. Stop. How <laughs> did you grow up there? I did. I grew up there, and when I graduated from high school, I came out to college in Pueblo, Colorado, initially. Wait, where'd you go? You see CSU. Where, yes. I went there. What? Dead ass. Yeah, back before they had. Dude, they didn't even have a football team. They didn't have shit there. You did? Yeah, that's, that's where I went. Yeah, that's I only college. did a semester there. Same. And then I transferred to Colorado Springs because that's where my boyfriend at the time was. Are we the same person? I also then went to cosmetology school in Colorado Springs at Paul Mitchell. You did? <laughs> I'm dead I didn't know that. Serious. I lived in, so when I went to CSU, the very top floor of CSU in the dorms was co-ed. Yes. So when I, when I, I stayed on the co-ed floor. I did too. I was like, how is this even a thing? You know, from Durango, I was like, wait, you can have a co-ed floor? I'm dead. Sorry. Back to you. Yeah. It was um, interesting. I, it's the first time I'd ever been away from home. And that's No far. parents, just myself, and meeting new people. And being on a co-ed floor, so hold I took on. full advantage. Of all the places you could possibly go for college, how did you even find Pueblo? My dad, well, my parents used to bring us on summer vacation for three weeks every year. And we traveled all over out west, Montana, Colorado, and Colorado always stuck with me. And oh. my boyfriend at the time was from New York originally. And he wanted to also come to school in Colorado. So he graduated a year before me, went to school in New York. And then when I graduated, out we came. Man, that is rad. But that's he a, stayed in Colorado Springs race. and I went to Pueblo. So we still uh, had that distance. Okay. Well, it's not too far. It, I guess it's not the inner. I mean. No, it, like it wasn't. I guess that's not too bad. Man. No. So then you, okay, so you did a semester at CSU in Pueblo on the co-ed floor. Mm -hmm. And then you went to UCCS. Okay. In Colorado Springs. Okay. And um, things started to unravel. So the story begins. At that point, um, that boyfriend and I did not stay together. Oh, boy. How long were you guys together for? A couple years. Because we dated through high school. Okay. And, um, we broke up. I was heartbroken, but I had 
had some friends, moved in with some friends, male friends, mm. one of whom I started to date. And it was a very quick relationship. We hadn't known each other very long. And I got pregnant oh. with Amanda, so my you, oldest. Did you meet him at school? No, I met him through a group of friends. Okay. And, you know, being the young, heartbroken girl, breaking up right. with her boyfriend, needing a place to stay, I called on them and they were, they said I could stay with them. And I did, never intending that there was going to be a relationship right. there, but there was. And, um, yeah, and we got pregnant for Amanda. Oh, my gosh. Not, I mean, it was probably about, I would say, eight or nine months later, but still a surprise. Well, of course. And at that point, you know, you're, I was still young, trying to figure everything out. Had that moment of I'm missing my parents as independent as I wanted to be. And I was like, I, I'm going back because I didn't really know. We had no family clothes. You had right no territory. Yeah, exactly. And so back I went and then he came to New York as well. Oh, he came with you. Yes. And there was, you know, that stress of having to let my parents know and that disappointment of, I never wanted to disappoint them. But at the time, you know, we weren't, we were dating, but this was not someone that I was like, oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. Right. And there was a lot of back and forth of what do I do? And I just, I remember sitting in my bathroom on the floor with the door closed, bawling. And I thought, you know what? This child didn't ask for this. And I'm doing the responsible thing for me. Right. And we're going to do this. And so oh, I did. That gave me the chills. And I had Amanda and realized that family life was not what he wanted. Right. So we always struggled, but. Now, did you guys, did you move in with your parents? Yes. So, okay. So you lived with your parents and mm -hmm. then did you, like, were you working? Was he working? Um, he was working. I was working, but there was always, you know, I think I stayed with my parents because they were a sounding board for me. They were a sense of comfort yeah. and, I, and I was blanket. petrified. Yeah. And I had this baby and I wanted to do the best for her that I could. And we had a very volatile relationship. Um, and I knew in the back of my mind that we, it was probably not going to last. and It was probably not going to work out. But I always had this feeling of, I never wanted her to be without a dad. Like I needed to try to make this work. And we just were not on the same page. And I think back then too, that was what you were supposed to do. Right. You were supposed to keep your family together no matter what was happening behind closed doors. Like that was what you were supposed to do. Well, exactly. And I came from parents that, you know, my dad is the only man my mom has ever dated or been with. They've been married for 50 plus years. And I just didn't, 
I was like, that's that you're supposed to work through things. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to make it happen. And, um, and we did, we tried. And, but at the end of the day, we just were not compatible for one another. And we tried so hard and that we ended up, we had Jenna. Oh, okay. And then after we had Jenna is when he was like, Mm-mm. this is a joke. I'm, I, the family life that we're just not going to do this. I'm not doing this. And he had a girlfriend. And so oh, wow. here I am with two little children. So were you guys married or so we were married? Okay. So you, we had gotten married and yeah. So I think sometimes when you, like when you think back to all these things, it gets like so overwhelming. So it's like, Oh, how do I go back to that place? Right. So I just want to timeline it mostly for my own brain. So when you went back to New York, you had Amanda, you moved in with your parents. Then did you guys get married and move out on your own? We, yes, we had gotten married two months after Amanda was born and then we had our own place. Okay. So we. In still in New York. In New York, in the same town with my folks. And we, you know, went through the motions and we just, I think trying to make it work made the situation worse because we, I feel like we always knew that we weren't compatible and that it but trying for these two little children myself more so and it took a while for me to realize we're better off just the three of us and so when he finally decided that this wasn't for him he came back to Colorado because that's where he was from his parents were here and it was the girls and I. And you stayed in New York by yourself? For a while, I okay. did. And then we got on the train in New York City, and we took the train back to Colorado, the girls and I, with clothes in a bag, and we came back. Because he was their dad, I had a sense of guilt. He wanted to see his kids, and I didn't feel it was fair but do you think there was also this part of you then, like the the Lisa then that loved him? Like, you know, that made you feel that that need to, and it's hard because so much has transpired from that point forward, but do you think that there was a part of you that wanted that? I think I, no, it was more for the girls. I wanted them to have a sense of family. I wanted them to know their dad, be grow up around their dad. I never wanted them to not have that. And so I did it for them. And it was, it was a tough decision because we had nothing except the clothes on our back. And, but we made it. And, you know, we had moved into a little apartment and we had nothing. Did you go to back to Colorado I went to Colorado Springs, Springs. Okay. yes, because okay. that's where he was. Okay. And, you know, looking back now, those were the happiest days of my life. We had nothing, but I had those two little girls. Yeah. And we would put blankets down on the floor at night and pretend we were camping. And, like, I tried to make it as peaceful for them and happy for them, though... I would sit and cry by myself at night because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. 
Like, I don't know how I'm going to give them a good life, but I was determined to give them a good life. And I could have turned back around and went home, but I was like, no, like it's strength. I did this and this is my life and come hell or high water. I will persevere and I'm going to get through this. Yeah. And, and we did, and we, we were happy. We, the girls and I were happy and they just, they were my, we grew up together. They were my everything. I learned from them. I taught them what I, what I knew, but I learned from them. And it was, it, it was the hardest yet the happiest time of my life. And there's something really special about like, there's even times now where I miss the days where it was just the boys and I, and they would climb into my room Mm -hmm. one at 10 and one at midnight. And there are just those memories that you make with your kids that they're going to have forever Mm -hmm. because they don't know that they know now, but they didn't know at the time what you were doing in the other room. And they just remember how cool it was that their mom, you know, did the blanket forts and all those amazing things. And that's exactly what you did it for. You did it for them to remember as adults, their childhood, Mm -hmm. you know, those fun, there's just nothing better than those sweet times together. Yeah. Even though they're hard, of course. Right. And I think it was, you know, it's hard when you like they have a dad, but that connection is very different. And it was hard because we really couldn't co-parent together. Mm -hmm. And so we, we did our best, but it just, for the most part did not work out. And so I always felt this sense of guilt for them but we got by. Yeah. We we made it happen. And I had no car. I mean, we would go to the grocery store. Luckily, it was close by. And I had a double stroller. Oh and gosh. I would push them in the double stroller to the grocery. But coming back, they would either have to walk so we could put the groceries in the stroller. Or they liked when I they would be in the stroller and I would put all the groceries around them. Oh, my god! And we would walk back home. Or we took public transit and it, we had the nicest bus driver and he always would like see us coming. And I was always late because I'm trying to get two kids. He would wait for us. He would help us. And we did what we had to do. So where, what did you do for work? Did you work at that time? Yes. I was the manager at Kmart. That is amazing. (laughs) Kmart was the shit. It was the shit. It was. Kmart actually is still the shit. I would still go into Kmart. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I did. I worked um, customer service, management of customer service. and Of course you were the manager. I had a baby. Of course you walked in there and ran that shit. I did my best. I had a great babysitter. She helped with the kids. And her family took us in as their family. And she was great. And... The girls loved her and we just, we just made it happen. Yeah. But then as time went on, you know, then I went to work at Farmers Insurance. So I was, I always made sure that the next job I went to benefited us or was better than the one that I left. And, but I always knew in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm not going to let this moment in time define me. I'm going to be all of the things that I want to be like, I'm not going to sit here and let this part of my life hold me back. 
I'm going to show the girls that alone or not, you can do whatever you want. I think that that mindsetting is something that you don't realize isn't normal. Like that is the true definition of strength. It's, it's the true definition of how you say, I'm not going to let this hard be the end. How do I get better? How do I build and build and build? And so that's something that you could have continued to live your life just like you were doing because you were surviving, you were living and doing, but that you said to yourself every day, I want to do better. I want to get out of this situation and I want to go to this one. And you just kept doing it and kept going. That is the true definition of strength, period. That's it. You don't know it at the time. Oh, absolutely not. You just, you are trying so hard to survive that you don't see it that way. And I have had many moments where I was like, what did I do to deserve this? Did I do something wrong? Is this karma? This isn't how I planned my life. Like I was going to go to school, get a degree and everything changed. And so I was like, you know, I had, I carried this guilt of, did I do this to myself? Yeah. And I did get off track a couple of times and there were some very dark moments and like I said, volatile moments that I thought were going to ruin me. Yeah. And I just wasn't going to allow it. So once you left Kmart, you went to farmer's insurance. Mm -hmm. So how did you even find, like, especially about how do you even find that job? Like that, was it word Keep of mouth? looking. I looking like in, in the, the paper, paper. Yes. People we knew, um, or that I knew said, Hey, this job is open or, you know, what about this? And, and though I was a manager at Kmart and I loved it, I wanted something a little bit like an office job. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to work at farmers. It's right up the street. And so I did that. And, and in that, around that time, I met my husband now. Okay. And oddly enough. And how old were the girls around that time? Amanda was four, almost four. Okay. Or four. And Jenna was not quite two. Okay. And their babysitter dated my husband's brother. Okay. And so I knew his brother first, adored him. And he always would say to me, you need to meet my brother you really should meet my brother. <laughs> and I had sworn off men. I was yeah. like, listen, I'm doing this very well by myself. And your brother who has never been married, doesn't have any kids, does not want this baggage. So it's a no. Right. And one day he set it up and was like, Hey, when you come home from work, my brother, I want, you're going to meet my brother. Stop. So I had one of my girlfriends come home with me and I met him. Nice enough guy, but I was like, no. <laughs> mm -mm, not my type. Oh my gosh. Like, single dude, great job, could do whatever he wanted. Had all his ducks in a row. Right. And I'm like, mm, yeah, no. I need something a little shakier. <laughs> yeah. And we actually went to one of the cowboy bars there. Oh, they have a good, they have a, they only have one, right? In Colorado Springs? Or I think they had two at that time, but we went that night, we went to one of them and 
okay, girl from New York doesn't really know how to country dance at all. Oh even though gosh. I lived in Colorado, just was not. Yeah. And a couple of times I stepped on his boots and oh, he tried boy. to make a joke about it. Like the next time you do that, we're going to have a problem or whatever he said. Immediately, I'm like, seriously, dude, like, I don't think you know who you're talking to here. I'm from New York. But okay. And so we get home and we're sitting at my kitchen table. My girlfriend and I were talking and I'm just like, that guy's a dweeb, like super stuck up, just uptight. It's like two in the morning. I hear this knock on my door. Oh my. I open the slider and it's him. And he's like, I just wanted to make sure that you ladies got home. Okay. Um, cause I hadn't, you know, didn't see you afterwards or whatever. And I'm like, oh, we're fine. And I shut the door and look at her and she's like, you should really feel bad. Like he drove all the way to your house to make sure you were to okay. make sure you got home. Okay. And I was like, don't make excuses. Like I'm sticking the path here. Oh we're following the path he's here. He's a no for me. He's a no. And he didn't end up being a no. And he is hands down one of the most phenomenal people I've ever met. Okay, hold on a second. So how did you go from closing the door to well, what happened next? You cannot we skip, would probably you cannot skip that. We would probably disagree, but he continued to pursue me and I did shoot him down. And then I broke down. Of course. You yeah, you let him in. I let him in. And my girls are my one of my girls adored him amanda not so much anytime he came around she was like you're not my dad and she would walk away and oh he would gosh. be so understanding and say i'm not trying to be your dad like super nice but i kept i would always ask him what do you want with this picture yeah. like he remembers seeing me one day as i was coming home from the grocery store with my stroller and one of my wheels had broken off. So I was pushing it with children, groceries and three wheels instead of four. Oh, and he was like, I just couldn't like a lot of people would have broken down at that point, been had lost it or crying or whatnot. You're just chucking along, holding the wheel, doing your, your thing. And I was like, I don't have any other choice. Like this is this is what we do. Yeah. And he stuck around. I tried. I tried for so long to like warn him, give him an out. And he still stayed there. Well, and that's probably also just you not thinking like I I don't deserve right. this happy picture. You know, that was more probably about you, obviously at the time True. than necessarily him. You know, it, it was probably a mix of both. It's confusing too, you know. Well, and I think knowing, like he was to me, the epitome of someone who just had this very perfect life. The fam, the parents, the good job. He was just an overall super nice guy. And I always thought about my past and the things that I had gone through and what I had done. And I was like, how could someone love me when they really find out all of these things? Yeah. And he's going to run eventually. 
And so I'm just going to not allow that to happen. And then as time went on and he started to, you know, hear things, he didn't. He just never he stayed. Ran. Yeah. And so I think eventually I was like, okay, this is, this is a real thing. But I always wanted to protect him as well, protect him from something that he's going to hear from me that either he's going to be ashamed or not want to be there. And I was always trying to protect him and protect the girls. And I feel like I've done a lot of that in my life. Like I want to protect everyone from sadness or bad news or anything that could hurt their feelings. And it's exhausting. And I think what I hear from that too is that you, it feels like you just, you don't see yourself the way the world sees you either, especially in those times, like how you're always trying to protect everyone else that you forget that inner protection of yourself because you just, it's almost like you don't have time. Like you just don't have time to think about what you want, what you need. And you forget that, that mirror of like, I'm strong, I'm badass, and all of these amazing things because you've built something beautiful, but it takes a really long time to actually feel that, mm -hmm. you know, and that he also knew what he was getting into and he didn't run for a reason. You know, he probably saw, he probably saw you walking with a stroller and was like, dude, look at that ass. He probably literally was like, look at that ass. And here, you know, and here we are. So what happened? So once you let him in, then what happened? You were still at Farmer's Insurance. Mm -hmm. When, what did he do? He was in appliance repair. Oh, wow. So he had a degree in refrigeration, did appliance repair. I didn't even know and, you could get a degree in that. Yes. That's really cool. Yes. And so he did that forever until we moved to Durango in 2003. And he... You know, I went from New York. I lived in Montana for a while with my ex when he was in the military. I've never really been opposed to packing up and going. And so, you know, we lived in Colorado Springs. We got married in 1997. And in 98, we had our youngest. And um, Sierra, when I was pregnant with Sierra... I was diagnosed with cancer. What? Yep. I didn't know so that. So when I was 11 weeks pregnant, 11 or 12 weeks pregnant, I went in and I had cervical cancer and I didn't know it either until that appointment. And we got sent to an oncologist in Denver and they wanted us to abort the pregnancy because there was a risk that if I continued on, it was going to be worse for me. And, but there was never a question in my mind. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like wow. I'll take my chances, but we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So they did a procedure to try to remove as much of it as they could without causing me to have a miscarriage. And I did it. And we got through the pregnancy, had Sierra, and then I had a hysterectomy. Wow. Um, but we just, so in part of all of that, Sierra was born without an immune system. 
because at the time that I had that procedure, she was in utero was at that point where she was developing it or should have been developing an immune system. Well, she didn't. So Sierra was very sickly, very susceptible to being sick when she was born. And so she couldn't go to daycare. So at that point, I was like, I need to find something I can do. So I started a children's clothing store where I could bring her with me, a consignment store from, from the ground up. We picked a spot and I started that. In Colorado Springs? Well, we did that in Woodland Park, which is outside of Colorado Springs. And then I took her every day. And we had a little room in the back for her. She could play, do, but she wasn't in daycare. And I could still work and make money. So we did that. And during that time, I had met, so Southwest Mortgage had an office next, next door to my store. And I met the gal that ran it. We became friends. And one day she said, you should learn to process for me. And I was like, okay. So I did. I ended up selling my store, started processing for her. A month later, she quit. Whoa. I had never met the owner of this business before at all. So she basically said, well, I see this one of two ways. Either you move on. I thank you for your time. And or you could stick it out. <laughs> and I was like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. So I stayed and I taught myself and how to do mortgages. I had the help of a lot of people in the industry and I stuck it out and I stayed. Holy cow. And then she had me come down to Durango and run this office while she went on vacation. And I'd never been. Super nice place. We stayed at her house for a week. And when we got back, she was like, well, what did you think? Did you like it? And I said, yeah, it was pretty cool from what I saw. And she's like, well, do you want to live here? Do you want to move here? Oh, my God. And I was like, sure. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. So I told the Chris and the kids, I was like, we're going to move for my job. Oh. And a couple weeks later, we packed everything up and we moved to Durango. And that was in 2003. And we've been here ever since. Oh, my I cannot even. And he, like, I could see this look on his face of, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, we owned a house up there. He had been there his whole life. It, he's very very much a creature of habit. Yeah. He liked and, it there. Yes. And he's, God love him, but he's one of those that when he wakes up every day and he's breathing and the sun is out, he's like, it's a good day. Yeah. And he's just that type of person. Man. I love that for him. I do. I wish he could because I am that. not that person. Same. <laughs> and so I'm yeah. like, Dang it. Uh, but yeah. And so here we are. And then I knew that eventually she wanted to sell the business and do something else. But we were thinking it was going to be maybe a seven, ten year plan. And it was like 2005. She was like, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy this? And I was like, uh, okay. You're like, yes, I do. So we did. So I did. And that is wild. I have been with that company since then. When did you buy it? I bought it in 2005 and I started with 
Southwest Mortgage originally in 2000, the end of 2000, beginning of 2001. So four years, now you're the CEO. Now you own that baby. That's, that isn't, that is wild to me. Like, I don't even know, like my brain is over here. Like what? So quickly, all of those things you just, you were like, you know what? I'm just going to jump. Cause what's the, what's the worst that's going to happen? Well, and I think I feel like I'd had already been through the worst at that point that I thought you can do this. Well, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? You're going to do this. Yeah. And I feel like the girls did well. Like, sure, they were hesitant when we moved at first. How but, old were they when you moved? Well, Amanda was 13. So That's a hard age. Middle school. Yeah. That Making one, I think, friends. was hard. Yeah. Jenna did a little bit better. Sierra hadn't even started kindergarten yet, so she was – it didn't it matter to her. For her. It was easier for her. But they adapted well, and I think that they – I think they did fine. Um, they seem, you know, they've all gone on now and doing their own thing, but you know, when they move quickly after graduation, you kind of ask yourself, did they really like it here? Well, and I <laughs> but... think, I think what's hard is that Durango's not what it was when we were kids either. You know, that, right. that in itself is, it's expensive. So it's like, you really have to have that setting, setting ground. But I remember growing up here and, dude, I couldn't wait to move. And then you know what I couldn't wait even more? To come back. It's this, I remember going to Pueblo, literally looking out the window and not seeing any mountains. And I was like, well, this is stupid. Where are your mountains? Like, what are, where, what are the views here? And what do you do here? What do you do? What, what is this? You know, they have like good food and stuff like that. And I think it's hard too that you went through so much it's almost like as parents you just want your kids to not have to go through what you went through were you honest with the girls like when they were age appropriate i guess you could say like about your your life and your heart yes i yes i we i'm very open with the girls we have a very like all of us as a family are very open there's really not much we don't talk about. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. But as far as my relationship with their dad, there are things that, no, I have not elaborated on with them because at the end of the day, though it didn't work for us, he is still their dad. Yeah. And the decisions that they make and the feelings that they have for him need to be theirs. I don't want that to be my decision, I don't want to portray my feelings onto them so that they think one way about him. I want that to be their decision. The relationship they have with them, with him, which unfortunately I have to say is obsolete. Right. But if they choose tomorrow to have that relationship, I will support them, but I also want that to be their decision. And I think some of the things that if I were to sit down and really talk to them about it would be hard. Yeah. It would be hard for them. And because it's hard for me, even after all these years, thinking back about it, you know, of 
my three girls, every one of them, they're, they are my saviors. Every one of them has saved me in one way, shape or form. Amanda saved me from a life uh, that could have been very bad, um, a, a very dark path that I could have continued down. And my life would have been very different today. Um, my ex and I had unfortunately had a period of time where we got involved in drugs and finding out that I was expecting, like I look at her and think your timing was impeccable because you saved me from making decisions that could have ruined the rest of my life. Jenna saved me from staying in an abusive relationship. And if I hadn't gotten pregnant with Sierra, I would have not known I had already had cancer. Ugh, so those girls, I owe them my life. Yeah. And I can't imagine doing life without them. And I would do it all over again, every ugly moment for what we have. And I wouldn't think twice about it because they are my part of my story. And they're the biggest part of your story. And they have made me who I am today. And I adore them. I think one of the most magical parts too is that you don't even see the strength that you have endured but built for them. You were able to build them into these women of strength and in in a world where they get to be who they want now. Like that's the difference in the world today and the world that we grew up in is if you go through a lot of the things that happened to you today that happened to you back then, you don't have to be afraid to be a single mom anymore. No. You don't have to be afraid to stay in these things. But the other side of that is you have taught your girls to be authentic, to be strong and to be who you want to be. And you taught them that because you didn't have a choice but to live that. And so that's that's powerful on its own is that you raised daughters and raising daughters and raising boys are two very different things. And they're they each are special in their own mm -hmm. way. But teaching and obviously I have boys, so it's different for me. I believe that as a woman, you should be able to be strengthened and look in the mirror and love yourself. And that comes with a lot of hurt sometimes. You don't just wake up like that. Sometimes the most beautiful people I've met have really been through a lot of hard, hard things. And your heart taught your girls how to be strong. And so a lot of the things that they will experience because now they're moms mm -hmm. and now they're in that stage of life where you know how hard it is. You remember all of those things, but you also know they have a little piece of you. And if they just have a little bit of your strength, that's huge, right? Because they only need a little bit of all that strength and they have all these other pieces and that age and having young kids and fresh marriages, all of those things are hard and and I do watch them and I know that they have days where it's tough. I mean, like you said, new marriages, new young children. And I just look at them and I don't think they realize how much I admire them 
And I just, like, I cannot put into words how much I just look at them and like, I am overjoyed. And I, to this day, am like, those are my girls. Like, I can't imagine not having them. And they just, and they're so supportive of me as their mom. And we, you know, we have gone through a lot together. And one thing that a lot of people don't know that I'm, I second guessed bringing up today is that three years ago, I was diagnosed with a lung disorder, a progressive lung disorder, and there is no cure. I take a strong medicine multiple times a day. Wow. Um, but I am determined to fight through it. What does that, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Like you have to be careful, like physical activity, physical activity, um, elevation is not my friend. Um, oh, good. So Durango is the perfect place for you. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, we will have to make changes. You'll have to, yeah. Um, and go to a lower elevation. But my lungs don't, cannot take in oxygen because it's like having high blood pressure. Instead of having high blood pressure like with your heart, I have that in my lungs. So my capillaries completely close down and oxygen does not flow through. Can you get a lung transplant? You can. Eventually you can get a lung transplant, but you have to make sure that your heart stays healthy okay. because it also weakens your heart and they will not give you a transplant if you don't have a good heart. So I treat at the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix. I have a fantastic doctor. And he monitors me all the time. And, but it was one of those diagnoses where when they tell you, don't Google it, there's a reason they tell you that. You Googled it, didn't you? I did. Because I am one of those people that has to know everything about the situation. I literally believe that the first thing you did was Google. I did. (laughs) And I, you know, I was very hesitant. I didn't want to tell my parents because they're the same way. I was like, please don't Google this. Because when you read it, it, it makes it sound like a death sentence. And for some people, it, it, it I mean, it is. And for those, some, it could be sooner than not. Um, but for me, I was like, okay, tell me what I have to do. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's be a statistic and yeah. say, she was diagnosed on this day and 30 years went by. Like, let's do that. Yeah. You know, and like going to spin class. Yeah. When we were in the seat, life was great. But when I have to get up and do it, it was a struggle. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not giving this up. You're going to do it. I'm going to do this. And I, unfortunately with this situation, it's not something that you beat, but I'm going to give it everything I have. And I'm going to fight it till the end. What are things that you have to do for it? Like, did they give you, like, here's the suggested things, you know, for longevity wise? Um, well, the lower elevation, staying active, keeping your lungs active. 
walking every day, exercising, um, monitoring weight. And, but eventually it's really all about the, the medicine and the, tr the way they treat it. I'm trying to stay off of oxygen for as long as I possibly can, yeah. because that's usually when people will take a turn for the worst is once they have to become reliant on oxygen. So I am doing everything in my power to not get there. Um, but I take a medication three times a day that is with no insurances to the tune of six grand a month. Holy, that is what. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. It comes from a specialty pharmacy. You cannot get it here. Um, it's shipped to you. It's very controlled. Can you get it if you move to like Phoenix or Texas? You like can get it no matter where you go. They'll ship it to you wherever. Oh, okay. So it's not just like because we're in a small town. No. It's, oh, okay. No, it's it has to be. It has to come from a specialty pharmacy, and eventually you can take shots every day, or they'll put a port in. Oh my gosh! Um, but I am not doing. That. I'm not doing any of and those you're things. Just, you're just literally living your life the best that you can every day. Yes, and you know it's funny because I follow blogs of other um people who have the same disease and that in itself can be very depressing right. because you see a lot of loss and but i am just like i'm not i'm not doing that like yeah. i'm not doing any of those things and you know i know this is going to sound very cliche and people are going to say you know oh you should live like you're dying there is definitely something to be said about that. Well, yeah, of course. Because, w especially in this situation, like a lot of people will have a massive heart attack. Yeah. And we all we all already know that we're not going to escape. Yeah. Well, yeah. That situation. Yeah. But I'm not giving into it any earlier. I was like, with everything that I have been through in my life, I just find this as a, another bump in the road. And I'm going to give it hell. It's interesting to me because the entire time that I have fucking known you, you literally tell me all the time that I inspire you. And you are the most inspiring person that I have yet to talk to. Your positivity literally is, it's unmatched that you can sit here and tell this about yourself. But truly, you really are just living. You really are just like, I have these three girls. I have this beautiful life. That in itself is inspiring. You have, you, I don't know that I could do that for myself. I mean, everybody, and to be fair, I have no idea how I would react. I, I have no idea. But I would hope that it would be what, how you are living. I would hope that I would not sit on the couch and say, okay, we'll just, I'll just wait here. I have those days sometimes. Like there are times I'll be, if I'm driving to work, you let it get to you a little bit and the tears come because you ask yourself why. Like I, I'm, I feel like I'm at the height of my life. I have grandchildren who I adore and I have a, fan, a phenomenal husband. We're at that point in our lives where our kids are grown. We are out being, we can do whatever we want. And I look at him some days and think, you in our short lives, 
you have had to sit with me more times and hear bad news, medical news, yet you're still, you're here. He is like, I don't know, he is my support system and I honestly don't think I could get by without him. He is like the one that cheers you up when you're sad. He, he can see it. Like he sees it on my face before I even say anything. And he's there to make it better. Oh, and so amazing. I just, like I said, I feel very, I am fortunate and I know that. And I am loved and, but there are days I think this is where I'm at. And I came from this and I'm like, how did that happen? You know, even with a medical diagnosis, I'm like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I'm going to keep being happy. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. And I think that's part of, I mean, it's good and bad because I want other people to be happy. I want to see other people smiling. And I think, especially in my job, which can be very stressful and very hard, I never want to to say no. Like I never yeah. have to, I never want to have to say no. And I carry that burden when I have to tell people no. And, and I shed tears. If they don't, I do. And well, you're also telling people no a lot of times when it's like their life goal and dream, you know, it, that's a hard, it's, it's, it's a category of its own kind of heartbreak, yes. you know? So that makes sense. And just knowing who you are as a person, it makes sense that you would hold that and you would really try to do everything and anything you possibly could. It's, it's a good and a bad thing. Yeah. It really is. But I, I, I just want everyone to be happy all the time. I think even at my own expense, like I will take the burden and be sad if you're happy. Well, and it probably gives you get satisfaction from other people being happy because you want other people to be happy. So that fills your bucket for yes. you. And I have a very weak spot for single moms. If a single mom walks into my office, I might it just takes me back and I'm like I'm your savior. Same. When when Chessie and I owned the studio um, I remember when I started taking Chessie's classes, I was a single mom, lived in a trailer with the boys, and I could only afford to spend classes a month. And they were only $15 a class. Mm -hmm. But baby, I was ride or die. Hell or, I was like, this 15 bucks, you know? So I just remember thinking, we they cannot be $25. They cannot be $15. They cannot because... I just remember thinking there are people out there who this $15 is their last $15 that they're using to exercise. And so it's that I want, I, I get so off track so easily. I want to think, I want to ask you this question just because I think about myself and all these things. Now that you're in this good place and your kids are gone, you have more time like with your thoughts and with yourself. Do you feel like you ever feel all the things you couldn't feel? Like, 
back when it was just you and the girls, you, you could feel things and you had those break time moments, but you had more moments in your life where you couldn't feel things. You didn't have time. So now that you are happy and now that you are living that, do you feel like you have that like leaked, you know, depression or anxiety that really just kind of like sneaks up with you because you didn't really deal with it back then because you just didn't? Yes. There are times and more recently because I am in the process of writing a book. And so I'm having to relive a lot of things. And yes, there are a lot of, there seem to be a lot of tears then, but there are a lot of private tears now because reliving it, you, you, I have time to ask myself, well, why didn't you do this? You could have done it this way. Why didn't you handle it better? Or it just, there's a lot of what ifs that come from reliving those, that past. And yes, I, I feel like it has, it comes in waves and I shed tears now that I, like you said, I couldn't do then because I wasn't willing either because I never wanted those two girls to see me weak. You were in flight or fight mode. Yes. You You were in survival mode. I think there's also who you are now probably looks back at the you then and you're like, dude, why did you allow that? And why, like you get those thoughts in your mind almost. And you have to really just like remind yourself almost like a little slap on the hand, like, bitch, we're not the same. Right. And that shit, that shit wouldn't happen today. No. That shit, come at me today. I dare you, you know? I know. It's very, it's very interesting to think about who you were when those things happen and you're like, and then you're almost weirdly grateful because you're like, well, if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know that I would be this strong and this badass now. Like, you know? I agree with that. I think that I learned so much from that experience and those experiences, I should say. And they did carve me into the person that I am today. And like I said earlier, I would do it over again. Every every piece of it. Because I... I was able to be independent and and just be who I am and and I appreciate that. Yeah. And but there is there's always that I mean for me, I can't speak for everyone else, but a sense of embarrassment sometimes because you know you you set out with a plan. You graduate, oh I'm going to yeah. do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to do all these things. And then life changes. Life happens. And you have to shift gears. And when you're young, you're not always making the best choices. Usually you're not. And Not everybody. Sorry. Nobody get offended. Right. Exactly. But But you make a decision. You think it's the best one. And and then there's consequences. And then you move on to the next thing. And... But I don't know. I just, I feel like I did okay. You did more than okay, sis. My girls are okay. 
You made it, girl. I think they're okay. Well, I I think too. It's like you, when you sit and you, especially if you're writing a book, you really do have to relive those moments. And it's weird because you probably can't fucking remember what you put in your coffee last Tuesday, but you can remember some of those details about those hard times, like as if they happened this morning. And so reliving those sometimes is like, um, how do I stop like replaying this as as if I'm here, you know? So. A lot of that is hard. I cannot wait also to read that book. Now, but are you going to share in the book like a lot of the really detailed hard stuff? Yeah. It. I think that it's it's important for me to yes, do that. She said yes, by the way. She nodded her, <laughs> she nodded her head. Yes. yes, I am. I think it's important to in to be authentic, it's only fair yeah. to do that. Um, and there is, there is this very special, like I'm at this special point where, um, my very first, uh, a tax return that I had received because the girls didn't have beds. So with, I filed my taxes that one year and I got a return. And I remember going to the furniture store and buying white metal bunk beds with matching comforters and Chris put them together for me. And that was the first time that the girls had actual beds wow. in our apartment. And I just sat on the floor and bawled. But it was the best feeling mm-hmm. because I was like, I did that for them. Like they have beds. And that is incorporated in the title of my book. Oh, I can't wait. Because it's wait. that one moment that I... I mean, I know it seems simple to a lot of people, but for me, it was monumental that I did that I could do that for them. And they actually could have a bed to sleep on. Yeah. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. I felt like I'd won the lottery. And it probably felt like, okay, we're gonna be okay. Yeah. We are gonna do this one one day, one step at a time. Well, listening to Jeff Lopez's Yeah um podcast I, I had to giggle at one point because he talked about food stamps yeah. being like monopoly money yeah. and i remember that yeah and i hid that from chris for the longest time that we were were on food stamps i made it very temporary but there was a point in time where we had to do it when before i met him and i would never let him take me to the grocery store cuz i never wanted him you to know you didn't want him to see the food stamps but one time I had to go, I ha- like it was a have to situation. And he was like, just let me drive you to the store. And so I did. And then he had to find out. And I was devastated in the line, having to count out this monopoly money. And he never said a word, never a made saint. me feel bad. and. So there's a lot of that that will be part of the story of the things that I never thought I could get over. But I'm like, it was a necessity at the time. I had to feed the I had to feed the girls. Yeah, and we did. And Chris will tell you he's like, I fell in love with you for your cooking. <laughs> and I was like, that's all I had to do. I, that's, I didn't have much else going on. Are so. you just, uh, what do you cook? What, what 
I need a lasagna. What? I love to bake. Baking is my thing. Are you, what is your, ethnic? are you Italian? Mm, I mean, I, I only say that because you're from New Jersey. I don't know. If I do, Italian is my thing. Okay, so lasagna. Lasagna, yes. I love to make homemade Manicotti. cannolis. I've, um, never, I've never had a cannoli. I know. What? Never. So I'm going to. You're kidding. Ne I've never. I'm going to have to You're for you. You're going to have to. Because I did them for to. Christmas. If I had known that, I would have given some to you. But yes, they are phenomenal. Actually, I believe that because your charcuterie boards, is that how you say it? Charcuterie? Charcuterie. Yeah, whatever. Those things are, I saw a photo of, of like a couple you did and I was like, these are like magical. I did those with my girls and honestly, they're the mastermind behind those. And like the one we did for Zoe's, for yes, Hayes, yes. for his birthday, like the girls are the, they're the mastermind behind that. But yeah. I love doing it. I love doing that. It's so fun. Yeah. I need to really, I'm not like a crafter. And so I feel like cooking and crafting, um, my husband will tell you, I don't enjoy cooking because I don't like to clean. Like I literally like would rather eat out every single day. I would rather tequilas. You want to go to tequilas every day. That is my, I need to be better at it. I try and I'm getting better at it now. And I meal prep obviously, but I yeah, that. I see you meal prep. Yeah, I meal prep and I can. You know, but those are like simple, basic things. And it's like, I made, my, my sister-in-law taught me how to make manicotti, like spicy manicotti. Mm -hmm. Probably nowhere near as good as yours. But it was pretty good. And I was like, Love but it. it takes, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, and it was yes. like, everything is fresh and it takes a It's a process. Time. And you have to be in the right headspace when you are getting ready to prepare that because you have to be focused. Dude, I but I are love the it. best food jams. You probably have the best, like, Christmas cookout. We do a lot of, we were doing for a while themed family dinners. So, like, for Halloween, we did Halloween charcuterie where everybody had to make some a small charcuterie of something, and then we all combined it. So, we try to do themed family dinners a lot, which is fun. Yeah. Um, but that's when everyone's not super busy, but... Do do all three girls live here? No. Um, Sierra lives here in Bayfield. Okay. And Jenna currently lives on our property. Okay. In an RV with her family. Oh, that is that sounds great. But and Amanda lives in Boston. Boston. We miss her. That's amazing. I'm very proud of her, but she I don't ever see her coming back. I miss her. I just went to Boston in the fall to see her. And it was amazing. And she does come to visit when she can. Um, we see her at least once a year. But that's probably how your parents felt when you went to Colorado from New York and then never came back really. My mom was devastated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's just, and it, I think what's hard about being a parent too, like for me, for my kids, I just want them to see the world. Yes. I got pregnant so young that I, I didn't get to see the world. And I'm like, there's so much out there. And there's that part of you that's like, I want you to stay home so I can see you all the time. And then the other part of you is like, but also go see yes, and do. It's a weird combination of. You miss them for sure. But then when you see what they're doing, it's so exciting. You're so proud. Yes. So, I am okay, very proud. Because we could literally talk for hours. 
So I'm gonna start. I'm gonna circle us back because I I try really hard to do this. Okay. So what do you do now? So it's just you and Chris. Mm-hmm. You have the other girls here, but what do you do now to take care of Lisa? Like, was it spa day shopping? Like on those hard days because you know you are going through a lot of hard things still now. So what is it that you do that keeps you going and happy all the time? And this is this is like what is one thing that you do that you would probably consider like selfish that you do for just Lisa? I do love to read and I love to disappear and I love to read and like and completely shut out the world. Oh, I love that. And I do like to pamper myself. It's that is something that I didn't do. I couldn't do for a long time. So, yes, I'm a regular nail girl. I love that. I like to get Botox. Mm-hmm. I like massages. I just, I like those things. Um, they make me feel good. Yeah. And it is something just for me. I, I believe in pampering myself. Um, when is your book going to be ready for the people? It's going to be a while. It's, and it has been a work in progress. And I think a lot of that is because I actually started it long before the girls moved out, long before they're old enough to move out. And, but reliving things, it was very easy for me to just say, I'm not doing this. I can't. Like, I can't because the anger that comes with that, I just, I felt like I could never move forward. But now I feel like I'm ready. I'm there and I need to do this. I need to do this because if it goes nowhere, but with my family, then I've succeeded. And that's enough for me. And so I'm going to finish it. Oh, and, and Zoe, because she'll probably be mad if I. Yeah, I literally cannot wait. To, uh, well, obviously in me. <laughs> if Zoe gets it, uh, I get it. I I'll, I'll help you. Um, if you, so I, I like to think about, you know, being a single mom is, is a job of its own. And I really think it takes a very special mom to do it. And I, I know some really badass single moms right now, currently, that I'm like, you know, I um, did one with Ashton and I told her, I'm like, you make it look easy. And I know that it isn't. So I want to know, like, people should know how hard it is because sometimes it's just kind of like Chris saying, you were pushing the stroller with three wheels, one is broken. It's not that it was easy. You might make it look that way because you just, you build, you know, that, that barrier if you could talk to the single mom who just became a single mom, and I have someone in my in my mind that I've really been thinking about a lot lately, and sometimes what comes with the single mom stories are, um, especially in small towns, people are talking about you, and people are talking about maybe the poor choices that you have made that got you into the situation, and they really judge you, and they, they give you that, they make it harder. Mm-hmm. If you could give any advice to the single mom who just became one and maybe she's got a story and maybe the whole town is talking about her, what advice would you give to her? To not pay attention to what other people are saying. 
because they are not in your life. They don't know your story. They may think they do, but they don't. They don't, they don't, maybe they only know you on the surface. And at the end of the day, the only people that matter are the children or child that you are raising and yourself. No one else matters because guess what? They're not stepping up to the plate and taking over. They're not helping you with your situation and stay focused because you will get through it. You will come out better in the end. Your child or children are going to be fine and no one else's opinion matters. And why you're single or it, that in itself, I know a lot of women dwell on it. Why am I, why did I get here? What did I do wrong? Guess what? You did nothing wrong. And even if maybe you did, this is a learning lesson. This is a lesson for you in your life. And you're going to learn from it, come out stronger on the end. But the people around you that are talking don't matter. I love that. And I feel that way in a lot of situations. I, until tonight, am pretty much a pretty private person. Yeah. I mean, my very close circle knows a lot about me, but even they don't know everything about me. So, you know, okay, I'm Lisa. I'm married. I have children. I'm a mortgage broker. But people don't really know me as a person. So when they have form an opinion or they want to talk about me, that's just something that they're spewing because they don't know me. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm like, get to know me. Maybe before you judge me, get to know me. And then if you still want to talk about me, then great. But I just, I have a really hard time with that, especially when, because we are in a small town and I grew up in a small town. So I know how that is. People pass judgment so often and so frequently, and they don't know the person that they're talking about. Yes. And then you have to ask yourself, could you do it any better? Yep. So, man, hats off. That is like the best thing that you literally just said. Could you do it any better? If I gave you my exact situation, could you do it any better? Because I'd like, I'd like to know. Let me know. Right. That is the best, the best way to put it because it is, could you? None of us know. I mean, in becoming a single parent, there's no book for that. No. There's no book for being a parent in general. Parent, wife, husband. I mean, there's no, we all do it in the moment, how we think it needs to be done or how it should be done. And we learn, we learn every day and we never stop learning. Yeah. And even now in this phase of my life, I'm learning to how to be an empty nester. Chris and I are learning that together. And Sure. Yeah, because you guys never have really been together without kids. No. Because you, you know, it's every stage of life. And as you get older, like you get more knowledge, you can handle things differently, but every stage has its own battle and its own. I'm just thankful to have girlfriends and friends that I can be, that I can say, look, these are all the shitty things that I have done in my early years or whatever. And they don't judge me because that is what feels good. What feels good is sitting in a room and telling someone 
everything about you and they don't look at you any different. Right. And they're just like, dude, you're a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. That is the stage of life that I'm trying to be in because the other stage of it, the before and the hard, it's never going to go away. You're always going to have some chapter of, of hard. It's just now figuring out how to navigate it with people. Yes. And the good people. Absolutely. You need to surround yourself with good people. Yes. Well, man, dude, you're a writer. You're a writer die kind of gal. I knew, I literally knew. So the moment that I met you, obviously, well, I met you before spin. Was it when Tony and I bought our first house yes. together? I remember I told Tony, I was like, dude, she's fucking hot. I was like, I need Lisa in my life. I'm like, she is hot. I do also remember calling you way too many times when we bought our first house. You were never impatient with me. You were never, you were just like, we're going to get through this. We're going to, it's going to be, everything is going to be fine and beautiful. So, but you were, you were fine. And I, and I appreciated that. And I just, and I I felt that way too. I was like, there's something. Well, I can't put my finger on it. I think also, you know, when I met Tony, I lived in the trailer. I didn't have anything. I had just gotten divorced like six years before that. My credit was shit because I, I couldn't get a credit card. I could have never done anything. And I was with this man who was the opposite of everything I had ever lived. And so the thought that we were looking at houses in the price range, we were looking at them. I literally was like, dude, there's no way this dude can do this without my credit attached and all of the things that were happening and transpiring i was like this is i have no idea what any of this is and then it just kept happening and getting better and i was like this is fucking weird but and i even remember house number three i was like i'm gonna call lisa just to like make sure and tony was like i we don't have to do that this time we don't i think i still probably did it a text we got to the text level though because mm-hmm. I, you know but i just remember there was always something so magical about just who you are as a person and the one thing that we as humans especially women we will never see ourselves the way that the world and other people see us and i wish that you could see yourself the way i see you and other people see you because you're amazing you are inspiring and you are just i wish i could be half of the things that you are well, I appreciate that. And you're right. That is hard because I don't see myself that way. And I'm very hard on myself and I wish I wasn't. And that's probably my, if I have to say that, what is your biggest flaw? That's it. I'm very hard on myself and people don't have to judge me because I judge myself yeah. way yeah. too often. Yeah. And, um, and I don't see that. I, I'm very, like, I'm the introvert. I'm, I'm not the one that walks into a room and wants everyone to see them. I'm more of the stay in the corner and, and I really wish I could escape that. Yeah. But one day. Sometimes escaping your own, you know, flaws and how you feel about yourself is the hardest hurdle, but you have done bigger hurdles, harder hurdles. And, you know, maybe that one just takes the back burner because you have a lot of other things. And I think sometimes trying to see ourselves the way other people see us too can almost be a burden of its own. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. Well, I cannot wait to see your book, girl. Well, thank you. I mean, read it, see it. God, I will. Maybe it'll be a, a lifetime movie. movie. <laughs> God, I love Lifetime. I love Lifetime. Well, okay, tell the people goodbye. 
Goodbye, everyone. Until Thank next you for time. Me. Yes. Oh my gosh. This was 